there are two tales waiting for you, told one after the other by an odd set of two. So prepare yourself, dear one, because this is Drops of Darkness. I am Stranger, and I tell only fantasies. Whenever your world has a grip on your throat, I am there, waiting to unleash the monsters that sleep in my mind so that they may remind you that you have sharp teeth and claws of your own. The only thing cheap in her grandmother's study was the noxious blend of perfume billowing off the two other women sitting inside of it. Reese took tiny breaths to avoid as much of the chemical undertones as possible, but the headache that was building behind her eyes told her that it was not working. She picked at her bottom lip and considered all the places she would rather be. On a sinking ship? In a car with no brakes? Or maybe inside a cozy cottage that was on fire? All would cause a much more dull sense of dread than being in a room with her two older sisters. Not to mention the prospect of her imminent demise would be a bonus, compared to this meeting which was starting to feel like it would drag on forever. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Why are we even here if she didn't plan on leaving us anything? The middle sister, Suzanne, said after the executor finally announced... They were nearly finished with the reading of the will. The old bag probably just wanted to ruin one last Saturday. The eldest of them said, Juliet, or Jules, as she was called by everyone other than Reese, was tall, pretty, and quite self-absorbed. To her, the fact that she had not been handed cash jewelry, or at least one deed to a summer home upon entering the front door was an affront to all common courtesy. Reese's pale fingers continued their assault on her lower lip, and she said nothing, a tactic that had worked well so far to avoid getting tangled in the rising drama. What about you, Ray? Shit, thought Reese staring longingly towards the door. I thought you and Grandma had some sort of weird friendship, and she didn't even leave you anything. No comment on that? Of course not, Suzanne scoffed. There's more than one other person in the room, so that would probably count as public speaking. That's on your long list of phobias, right? It's so hard to remember them all. The words tumbled out from the middle sister's overdrawn lips as her mismatched eyebrows furrowed in fake pity. Hearing her horrible childhood nickname followed immediately by any thought Suzanne deemed worth speaking aloud gave Reese flashbacks to childhood memories that any therapist would click their pen over. Her fingers hadn't even had a chance to close back in on her now bleeding lip before Suzanne muttered again. The old woman probably just felt bad for her, she said. Something then made Reese sit up and face her two sisters. Juliet, so perfect, so conceited. 
and Suzanne. So short, so bitter, and with so much misplaced confidence. Eye contact with them was painful, but instead of shrinking, she felt words rise up to her mouth like bile. But before she had a chance to finally learn what a retort would sound like exiting her lips, the executor cleared his ancient throat. There was just one more item on the list. Juliet sat up a little straighter and fluttered her mink lashes, annoyed but satisfied that the wrongs of the afternoon were about to be righted. Finally, she would be able to leave this old house with something to fund another long weekend to Europe with a man whose name she'd only maybe remember. Henriette leaves her most valued possession, a diamond necklace, to all three of her granddaughters. Reese was no longer looking at her sisters, but she could feel the air being sucked into the vacuum of their combined anger at those two short words. All three. The executor, a man for all his feebleness, was experienced enough to continue reading before the shouting could commence. If they agree to split the value of the necklace... Then it shall be sold, and they will each receive a check with an equal portion of the proceeds. The wrinkled man paused here, expecting that this new information would quell the rising tension in the room. Reese felt pity for the man, knowing it had done the exact opposite. Split? She bought a new piece of jewelry each time she got a new wrinkle, but she's making a split one necklace? Suzanne's already modeled cheeks went from soft piglet pink to open sore red. If we agree, we do not. So what's next? Juliet said, completely at ease with deciding for all three of them. Reese slumped back, unsurprised but still disappointed. She picked a spot on the wall to stare at until this torture was over. Well, the old man stammered, finding his place again in the tiny print. Oh, here we go. If they do not all agree to the split, then the first of them to it on my vanity gets to keep it and can do with it whatever they please. Three, two, one. Run, he read. Upon looking over the paper and seeing the confused look on the three women's faces, the executor pointed a knobby finger at the heavy door. Those are her words. Run. Reese watched as Juliet rose from the leather chair without a hint of stiffness and strode towards the door. Suzanne, still unsure of the odd turn of events, popped up and down like a confused groundhog a few times before the click of the door latch threw her into action. You're not going to go? Asked the frail old man when Reese remained seated. She shrugged. I don't really see the point. Even if by some miracle I won, they'd just guilt me into thinking I didn't. Suzanne might not seem that smart, but she's always been a master manipulator. I had the pleasure of knowing your grandmother for many years. 
the executor said, resting his hands on the desk. She had tricks up her sleeve, he continued, leaning forward in his chair. He winked and gestured towards the hall with a nod of his head. Reese rose with some hesitation, but the open door was too much of a welcome sight to pass up. I could just leave, she thought to herself as she entered the hallway. It's not like Grandma was here to ask me to stick around. She headed towards the front door, massive and solid, and lined with windows that promised fresh air and sunshine, and a walk to her car that wouldn't be laced with the whining of her sister's. Mm, yeah, goodbye. She turned and headed towards freedom, the sound of her rubber-soled sneakers picking up pace as she fled. But when her hand grasped the doorknob, she paused. She had tricks up her sleeve. The old man's words flashed through her mind. She let out a long, loud sigh and let her fingers slip from the handle as she turned and surveyed the two routes to her grandmother's vanity on the top floor. There was a massive staircase to her right, the first of three she would have to climb, and to her left was a sleek elevator. It was the newest thing in the old mansion, installed the year her grandfather passed away after falling down the previously mentioned staircase. Absolutely fucking not. Reese muttered at the elevator. Even if she wasn't extremely claustrophobic, the little glowing light above the twin metal doors told her that her sisters were already on their way up. She made it halfway up the second flight before she started regretting the life choices that led her here. But finally, with her lungs aching and thighs aflame, Reese stomped onto the lush carpet of the third floor but was immediately unsettled by what she was hearing. Nothing. No arguing in high-pitched voices. No prattling. No taunting. No teasing. None of the noisy weapons her sisters wielded any chance they got. The walk to Grandma's room was short, and before she fully caught her breath from the trek up the stairs, it left her again because laid out on the pristine wood surface of her grandmother's vanity was the necklace, each of its diamonds taking full advantage of the sunshine that flooded the room, casting rainbows over the surface of the white envelope that rested next to it. With a single finger, Reese slid the thick paper to the edge of the vanity and read the lone name written in her grandmother's handwriting. She looked around, but didn't see envelopes addressed to her sisters. Confused, she slipped her finger under the seal, but before she could open it, a metallic scratch cut through the silence, followed by a heavy thud that shook the whole house. She crammed the necklace into her back pocket and skidded down the stairs. When she made it back to the main floor, she saw the old man standing next to the elevator, holding a cell phone to his ear as a cloud of gray dust settled around his feet. Yes, two women, I'm sure, the man said in a panicked voice that did not match his stoic face. Please, come quick. He slid his phone back into his pocket and nodded towards the envelope 
still clutched in Reese's hand. See? I told you. Tricks up her sleeve. Anxiety filled her chest, dragging her heart to the pit of her stomach as she broke the seal with a trembling finger and pulled out a single-sided note. My dearest Reese, it began, as I am now free in death, I am able to free you in life with two gifts. Sell the necklace. It was a gift from your grandfather, the bastard. It should set you up for quite a while. The other gift, well, let's just say you should never have to hear that horrid nickname ever again. All my love to my only granddaughter. Love, Grandma. P.S. Sometimes fear works in our favor. Hello, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. In between our stories, we like to take an opportunity to highlight a cause we believe deserves our collective attention. For August, we chose the Entertainment Community Fund. This is an organization supporting the writers and actors currently fighting for fair wages in an industry that has taken advantage of them for far too long. You can learn more by visiting entertainmentcommunityfund.org or by following the link on dropsofdarkness.com. Now, back into the shadows we go. I am someone, and I tell only truth. Whenever something slithers through the barrier between worlds, I am there. Not to stop them, but to watch them and remind you of the countless terrors your kind has survived all on their own. For my friend's 40th birthday, a small group of us took a trip to Las Vegas. This was my first time to Vegas and to the desert. We aren't big partiers, so we did some hiking, some shopping, and just a few hours in a casino. One night we stayed in and everyone went to bed really early except for me. That night I stayed up having a few drinks and watching ghost adventures in my room. I must have fallen asleep because I woke up to a thunderstorm, which is rare in the desert, and the TV was still on. I turned the TV off and went back to bed. The next morning I woke up and could hear everyone else was already up and walked out into the kitchen to tell them the super vivid dream I had. Now, I don't remember my dreams very often, if ever, but this dream I remembered everything. In the dream, I woke up in this Airbnb bedroom and walked towards the door. I remember it felt as if I wasn't walking but more like slow motion gliding. I opened the door and walked past one of my friends that was just standing in the hallway looking towards the front door. I then saw one of my friends on the ground and four men in blue jumpsuits arguing with her. She kept saying, no, I'm fine, I don't need to go, as they were trying to get her out the front door. My two other friends were standing there just watching the situation. I walked up to my friend that these men were trying to take with them, and I remember grabbing my friend picking her up, and then pushing the men out the door and closing it 
I'll tell him to get out or leave her alone or something like that. I then woke up and that was it. As I'm telling my friends the story, their faces look shocked and confused. I said to them, isn't that a weird dream? And the first thing one of my friends said is, didn't you hear the sirens last night? I was like, no, what happened? She was like, are you sure you didn't get up? I could have sworn I saw you standing out there by the front door and heard you say something. I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Then the friend whose bedroom was next to mine said, no, he never came out of his room. I would have known because I was standing next to his door. So they proceeded to tell me that the friend I saw in my dream that was arguing with the men had a diabetic seizure in the middle of the night and they had to call an ambulance. Two ambulances with two men in each were wearing blue uniforms and they came to the house. They were able to stabilize my friend and then were trying to get her into one of the ambulances to take her to the hospital. She really didn't want to go to the hospital. This is not her first rodeo. And she was arguing with them to not take her. She ended up declining the ride and staying at the house. I think this is the first time I ever astral projected, or at least remember astral projecting. I think between the thunderstorm energy and the Nevada desert, my friend being in an altered conscious state from her diabetic seizure, and me being in an altered state from a few drinks and sleep, set this all in motion. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Drops of Darkness, which is written, voiced, and produced by Anodyne Vaughn and Cameron Helquaik. If you enjoyed your drift into the shadows, help keep the stories alive by sharing the show, leaving a review, and if you really want to earn the favor of these dark storytellers, tether yourself to their world by tapping subscribe. If you have a true paranormal story of your own that you'd like to be read by someone, you can make the offering to submissions at dropsofdarkness.com or through the form on our website. Until next time, dear one, and remember, when the darkness looks your way, hold its gate.